scripture. Well, I hope you're aware of the fact that we're going through the Gospel of John in two different ways. Uh, we're presenting the Gospel of John, choir and cast of characters uh, on April 7th, and uh, that, that's a modern passion play. There'll be a performance here at 10 o'clock and then at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And then the other way that we're going through the Gospel of John is I'm, I'm trying to go through the Gospel of John and match up with some of the things that we're doing music-wise, and we're going to look at the seven I Am statements of Jesus to affirm uh, His deity. Every time we hear Jesus make one of these great I Am statements, there are seven of them in the Gospel of John, He is affirming His, his, uh, his deity, His oneness with God, and His preexistence. And at the same time, He's also affirming His absolute power, supremacy, and sufficiency as the I Am God. Uh, last week we heard Him say, I am the bread of life. And we took part in celebrating the Lord's Supper and held that piece of bread that was reminiscent of the body of Christ and how He is bread of life. That if we eat from Him that we'll never be hungry or thirsty again because He is sufficient to meet our every need. And so the seven I Am statements are, I am the bread of life. Today we're going to look at it, what it means when we hear Jesus say, I am the light of the world. And then I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the light, I'm the, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. But today we hear Jesus make a very powerful statement that uh, affects all of us, and that is, He says, I am the light of the world. If you open your Bibles or your phone app or look at, uh, follow along on the screen, we'll look at John chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. As we pick this up, Jesus says, uh, has dealt with a situation we'll talk about in a few minutes, and then he makes this great declaration about himself. And then we'll have to come back and put it in the proper context so hopefully we can understand it a little bit clearer. So, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, Here you are appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgments on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they ask him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the temple area near the palace where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Another great I am statement from Jesus. I am the light of the world. And the dialogue that takes place here is between him and the religious leaders, the Pharisees who were trying to trick him and who were trying to discredit his claims of the fact that he was sent from the Father and he and the Father were one. And they're talking about verification of witnesses. It takes two men. He said, you have to right here. You have God and you have the Son right here. And he says, you don't have any idea who I am or where I came from. When we look at the Gospel of John, and we introduced it a couple of weeks ago by talking about Jesus is the I am God, 
we talked about the difference between the Gospel of John and the other synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke stressed the humanity of Jesus, that he was the Son of Man. And that was the phrase that you will find more commonly in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Son of Man. They talked about him as king and servant. But John approached Jesus from a different point of view. He had what we call a high Christology of Jesus as the Son of God, as God in the flesh who came down from heaven to earth. And so he refers to Jesus as the Son of God, the Son of God. So you've got the Son of Man and the Son of God. And they stress his, his wonderful nature, and that is he's fully man and he's fully God at the same time. Nobody else ever done that. But this is God in the flesh. He sent Jesus. He came from above. He came down to us. And we're talking about John, that the key word used 98 times in the Gospel of John is the word believe. And John challenges us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And we looked at uh, John 20, verses 30 through 31. And John said all the things that Jesus did, all the teachings that he did, all the volumes of books in the world couldn't contain everything that he did. But he said the things that have been recorded, in other words what John recorded, are there so that you might believe, there's that word, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So he's stressing that, that he wants us to believe. And so believe is used 98 times. There's another, another theme of words that's used in, in John's gospel. And that is the theme that he has of light contrasted with darkness. And the word light he uses appears 24 times in the gospel of John. Talking about the difference between light contrasted with darkness. So not surprising really that it's John who has these seven I am statements because he's wanting to affirm the deity of Jesus and Jesus as the Son of God. And when we hear that, 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 that challenge between light and dark, it's not surprising that we hear Jesus say, I am the light of the world. Scientists tell us that there are four grand essentials necessary for human life to be sustained and nourished. And they are light, air, water, and food. And when we study these great I am statements of Jesus, we'll see that he embodies all of these statements and we find him truly to be the, the all-sufficient I am God. He's sufficient for our every need because he is the Son of God. Today we look at the fact that he says, I am the light of the world. I read about a church that's in the Netherlands. It's called the New Church. And it was built in 1420. That doesn't sound too new, does it? But it was built on the spot of the old church. I don't know what year the old church was built, but something happened to it. And in 1420, in the Netherlands, they built a new church on that spot. And the reason they did so was because the land out there around it was kind of swampy, and swamp gas could sometimes be seen burning. And the tiny uh, lights were not yet scientifically understood to be a swamp gas. And so the people there in the Netherlands saw it was something divine, a divine sign from God. And so they built the church, they said, where the light from heaven was seen. Well, in our culture today that is invented in so much darkness, the darkness of sin, the darkness of ignorance and grief and fear and doubt, there are so many people who need guidance and direction in life. And the darkness is just as hopeless as an eternal light. Jesus continues to declare, I am the light of the world. Let me illuminate your life. 
And when we see Jesus as the light of the world, then we can say the light of heaven is seen where Jesus is confessed as the light of the world. He is the light of the world upon which the church is built. And he is the light that leads us into the presence of Almighty God. So today, if there's any area of your life that needs illuminating and needs the light of God in your life, Jesus Christ is here today as the light of the world to bring light into the dark areas of your life, and you will find him sufficient for all of your needs. Now, let's break down that great statement that Jesus is making and put some a thought behind where he is and the setting for that. So, we begin by the declaration. Jesus says, makes the great declaration, I am the light of the world. Spiritual darkness was thick even back then. And Jesus spoke these words at one of the darkest times of his ministry. Now, when we look at the setting, there are actually two settings. The first is that we find here what we read a moment ago in John chapter 8 and in verse 12. Jesus makes that bold, audacious statement, I am the light of the world. Here's what had happened immediately before that. It was then the end of the Feast of the Tabernacles. And during the Feast of the Tabernacles, there was a, a, there was a great light, candelabra light, that was 75 feet tall, huge. And he took young men to climb up on a ladder of 75 feet tall to fill the light with, with oil. And it burned all during the time of the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. In fact, the light from those lamps was so brilliant that Jewish history records that there was not a courtyard in Jerusalem that did not reflect the light. But now as Jesus comes and walks into the temple court, the Feast of Tabernacles is over. And the light has been removed. And it's a perfect setting for Jesus to talk about the fact that this light is temporary, but I am the light of the world. I am sufficient. I will never be diminished. And it's in that setting that they have brought, the Pharisees have brought to him a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And the Pharisees did it all for the the sake of trying to discredit Jesus as the Son of God. And they said, their thought was, if he knows the law in, in Leviticus 20, which said that anyone caught in adultery, both the man and the woman, would be killed by stoning. Now, it's interesting. Every time I read that passage in John 8, I'm always realizing the fact that they only brought the woman. This was set up. This was a set up deal. The man does not appear. He's not brought before them. They only bring the woman because they wanted to try Jesus at the worst that they could do. So their thought was, if he follows through with the law and has her stoned, then he will be shown as a man, the son of God. He could not be the son of God because he had no heart of compassion and sympathy. On the other hand, if he let her go, he could not be the son of God because he would not be fulfilling the law. And they thought it was a spiritual catch-22 and a done deal. But we know what happened, or we should know what happened, is at that time that Jesus did something very mysterious. He, he rolled in the sand at least twice. And after he had written in the sand, he looked up and he said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And then one by one, those who had brought this woman to him for judgment snuck off back to the dark places to hide. Then he looked at the woman and he said, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. And Jesus said, then go and sin no more. He sent her on her way and said, go and sin no more. And then he made a statement, I am the light of the world. Then the second time that we see this is in John's gospel, chapter 9. 
And it's where Jesus is with his disciples, and they encounter the man who was born blind. And Jesus brings healings to him and gives him sight. He had never seen anything before, and he gave him sight. The man who had never seen the rose of Sharon or the face of a child, or even the faces of his parents, through the miraculous power of Jesus, was given the gift of sight, and he could see. Now, let's look at the significance of this. The statement of Jesus was taken by the scribes and Pharisees to be just as Jesus intended it. He was claiming to be the Messiah. You remember that dialogue that they had? They wanted to know who is his father, where, are you, where is your father? And Jesus is saying, the father and I are one. The father is with me. The father sent me. The, they, they, were, they, they were saying, that this cannot be the son of God. And Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. You see, the rabbis declared that the name of this Messiah was light. And when Jesus claimed to be the light of the world, then he was claiming to be the Messiah. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus was reminiscent, his words were reminiscent of the time when and the morning stars shouted for joy as the infinite I am called out, let there be light. And in that moment, the unfathomable essence of the being of the living God chose to go public with his glory to manifest his attributes, his character, and his wondrous ways. Up until that time, the world had dwelt in darkness, but he appeared as the light of the world. The same thing is true with us. Adam and Eve were placed in the perfect paradise of Eden, and they chose to sin. And because they did, the darkness of sin came into our world. And we are all victims of that same thing. Because of Adam's fall, we sin all. And we are in spiritual darkness, and we have needed the light of the world to come and to fill our life with light and direction and guidance. And Jesus has come and said, I am the light of the world. Uh, we had some, we've been having some work done, a lot of work done around the campus, uh, upgrading some things, working on the canopies going out that way, the children's area, preschool area, doing some new work in those areas. One of the other things you might notice and might not, unless it's pointed out to you, is that uh, we've had some new lighting done. We changed everything over to LED lights in the fellowship hall. And this weekend, I'd forgotten about it, but this weekend, work was done in the classrooms uh, to put in the LED lighting. A different type of lighting. It's a brighter light, and we're saving money. Uh, uh, and that's good. In our lighting bill, energy bill, we're saving money for that. So it's a, that's another thing we can relate to at uh, how important light is for us. But we put these new light bulbs in. How long they will last? Don't know. But I remember when I was writing this, putting this message together, I remembered that in 2001, I read a news story about a light bulb that was screwed into a socket in, into a fire station in Livermore, California in 1901. That light bulb was put into that building. I emphasize this again, 1901. As of 11 o'clock last night, the last time I checked online, that light bulb is still burning. They don't make them like they used to, do they? It's been burning for 118 years. And we think, that's fantastic. Think about this. Jesus is the light of the world. 
who has been alive and shining bright for all eternity. There never has been a time when Jesus wasn't. There never will be a time when Jesus isn't. And he is the light of the world. How fantastic that is. So now then we ask, what does that mean for us? How do we relate to this concept of Jesus as the light of the world? Well, that's where we look at the definition. And we find the definition in the function of light in our life. What happens when light encounters darkness? There are several things that you'll find on your outline. First of all, light defeats the darkness. The, 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 what happens in darkness is that darkness destroys life. If you want to prove that, take a plant that's bright and healthy and green and growing and put it into the dark recesses of a closet back in the far corner where coat hangers multiply, right? And close the door and leave that plant in that closet for just a few days and then go back and check on it and what's happened. It's withered. It's wilted. It's dying. It has to have light. It has to go through that process that we call as photosynthesis, right? Where light works through it. And the same thing for us. We have to have light. We have to live in light. There are people who are affected by the absence of light with what's known as seasonal affective disorder. And some of you might have a touch of it. I think a lot of us have a touch of it when we go through that um, time change in the winter. And there's far less light than, the, than the, the, there was on daylight savings time or whatever time it was. I get mixed up on all of that. But we know that it's darker till later and then it gets dark real early. I think we're all affected by that. That's because of the absence of light. You see, light is the key to our life. No light, no life. It's essential to our physical life. And Jesus says the light of the world is essential to our spiritual life. And as the light of the world, Jesus defeats darkness. And when he does that, he defeats darkness in our lives by bringing us out of the darkness of sin into the light of the kingdom of God. In 1 Peter 2, 9, Peter writes and he says to us as believers, he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession." So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. Now listen to this. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. See Jesus is the light that defeats the darkness of sin. And he brings us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. A second thing light does is light divides the darkness. That's part of that function of the sun in it. When it shines in the daytime, it gives us light. But then when nighttime comes, it sets and, and it divides the light from the dark. Well, the same thing is true spiritually in Jesus as the light of the world. He divides the light from the darkness of this world. And there's a lot of darkness in this world. There's a lot of sin in this world. People are living in the darkness of sin. And their eyes have been blinded by the evil one, by the God of this world who is Satan. And there's no question about, though, where Jesus is. Where Jesus is, there is light. Where he's not, there's darkness. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. Long time, atheist. But when he came to know Christ, what a prolific Christian writer he was. And this is what he said. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe the Son has risen, not only because I see it, 
but because by it I see everything else. That's so powerful. That's a Christian worldview that through the light of Jesus Christ we are enabled to see everything else. And the reason for that is, is light divides the darkness. Jesus gives a spiritual insight. The psalmist says, for you are my light, my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. And then thirdly, we see that light dispels the darkness. You see, the light from the sun, when it comes up, dispels the darkness of the night. And we see clearly in the light. In the darkness, we can't see clearly. The darkness is a hazard for us because of obstacles in the dark. And sometimes darkness creates fear. I remember reading a few years ago uh, in Newsweek magazine an article about Stephen King who has created some uh, horrific horror stories. And it's interesting in that interview that he said he wrote only in the morning, in the bright light of the morning, because it was too scary for him to write at night. There are a lot of people who have that fear of darkness. Darkness can create fear. But Jesus is here to dispel the darkness. Children were familiar with Thomas Kincaid. He's known as the painter of light. His work is beautiful, and every one of his paintings just radiates with light, whether it's from a lamppost or a street light or a church or a home. The light radiates from it. And the reason for it is, is when he was a small boy, he had to go home after school by himself to a dark, empty house, and he was afraid. And so he is the painter of light to illuminate that. And Jesus is the light of the world who's come into our life to dispel that darkness. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Any of you afraid of the dark? You afraid of going into a dark place? When I was a child growing up, and uh, you know, we, we lived in a great big rambling house, sometimes we'd be in one end of the house, and they'd say, Well, we need to go back there and get such and such, and such foot, one back part of the house. I, I didn't want to go because the light, the light switch was on the far end of the wall. I have to walk in the dark. So they'd kid me and they'd say, are you afraid of the dark? My answer was always, no, I'm afraid of what might be in the dark. Well, Jesus is the light. You don't have to fear that either. The answer is found in Daniel 2, 22. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. So when Jesus is the light in our life, we can trust him because he knows what's in the dark. As you're going through a dark time in your life, Jesus knows it. Let him shine his light on your life. Let him dispel the darkness. So then we move to the last point, and that is, well, what, what is the difference? If I acknowledge that Jesus is the light of the world, he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God, okay, so what? How do I claim that? How do I make use of that? Where do I apply that in my life? Let me suggest three things. First of all, when light comes, darkness must go. When the light comes into your life, darkness must go. Every life touched by the light of the world is to be changed. So you are not only born again. You've acknowledged your sin. You've confessed your sin. You've repented from your sin. You need all the sinful things in your life to go away. Have you ever had the experience of going into a dark room 
Maybe it's a place that hadn't been used for a while, a closet somewhere, one of these storage closets around somewhere. You turn on the light and there's just a, a scurry of insects, roaches, bugs, all kinds of things that just scurry around. They go looking for a dark corner to hide in. Let that be a spiritual application to your life that when the light of Jesus Christ is the light of the world comes into your life, darkness has to go. So let me ask you, is there any darkness in your life today that needs to be dealt with? Any darkness in your life that needs to go? See, when the light comes, darkness must go. When the light of the world reveals your life, what darkness does it show? Then secondly, wherever the light leads, we must follow. When Jesus comes through our lives as the light of the world, he proves himself sufficient to meet our every need. And one of those is he gives us guidance and direction in life. The psalmist in in Psalm 119, beautiful psalm about the word of God says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus illuminates our way. He guides us. You know, the writer of Proverbs tells us that we trust in him with all of our heart and don't lean on our own understanding, then he will make our paths straight. He not only makes our path straight, but he illuminates the path and makes it so easy for us to walk that path. As the I am God, he is sufficient to give us the guidance and direction that we need in life. He'll say, this is the way, and we have to decide to walk in it. We walk in that light rather than in the darkness. And then thirdly, when we have the light, we must share that light with others. You see, when when we are reborn, when we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross, dying in our place for our sins, and we confess Him as a Savior, acknowledge Him as Savior, invite Him into our life, one of the aspects that He brings into our life is the light, because He is the light of the world. And, and, and when, when that happens, then we are changed, we're transformed. And the Bible teaches us then that we are to reflect His light. We're to be His disciples. In Matthew's Gospel, in the Sermon on the Mount, Right after the Beatitudes, Jesus goes on to say, you, now this is interesting, he's talking to the disciples, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he makes his analogy. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify our Father. In heaven. You catch the switch that Jesus made? He has made that great declaration I am the light of the world. And as long as he walked the face of the earth, he was here as the light of the world. Now he's ascended back into glory, claimed his rightful position. He's seated at the Father's right hand, interceding for us. And he says to us, Now you are the light. Of the world. Let your light shine. Don't hide it. There's a reason for it. Why? So that others might see your good works and glorify God the Father. Is it just like all the, 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 the heavenly bodies, the planets and the stars and the moon? They reflect the light of the sun. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we are to reflect the light of the sun, S O N. The Son of God, the light of the world, so that others might see our good works 
and bring glory to God. D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody was a a pastor from a, a long time ago, generations ago. And he said these words, We're told to let our light shine. And if it does, we don't need to tell anybody it does. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. That's what you and I are called to do as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. If he's the light of the world, and he is, and if he has shined upon your life to reveal the dark areas of sin, and you've acknowledged that, confessed that, repented of that sin, trusted him for salvation, and if you have come to a point at some point in your life as you journeyed along in life, you picked up some dark things in your life you needed to get rid of, and the light of Jesus has continued to shine there, and you've gotten rid of those things. Then he says, you now are the light of the world, and you let your light shine. So Jesus is the light of the world, the I am God who is the light of the world, who is sufficient for our every need. As the light of the world, he brings salvation, light, glory into our life. And then we now live with that light in our life. And we are to radiate that light so that the world will know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what we're called to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent to us your only Son, Jesus Christ, who would come down as the light to bring light into the darkness of this world. To illuminate our path, to, to enlighten our minds, to enlighten our soul, to give us spiritual life, to shine upon the dark places of our life so that we would see our need for you and that our eyes could be opened spiritually to see the truth of Jesus and claim him as Savior. And then, Father, you challenge us to be the light of the world, shining in the darkness of this world so that others might come to know you. May we be true to that. If there's anyone here today who needs to confess Christ as the light of their life, the Savior, the Son of God, may they do that. For all of us who, who say we follow after Jesus, Father, I, I pray that your light will shine in our life to reveal any dark areas that we need to get rid of, and then we will let our light shine for your glory. Father, I pray for this and seek to claim it in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen.